Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and it's my mission to help people market themselves effectively and show up powerfully for their audience by using their voice and their story to share their message and ideas. My guest this week is Joan Hodges, actor and wife of the late and legendary Chaz Hodges, the Chaz half of Chaz and Dave. Joan's acting career started aged 40, once her three children had all grown up. She's appeared on stage and in TV classics like The Bill, London's Burning and Only Fools and Horses, and more recently in It's a Sin and EastEnders, proving that it's never too late to follow your dream. In this, the first half of our fascinating conversation, we discuss her time as one of the original six UK Playboy Bunny Girls, an exciting and glamorous job, which in 1966 saw her working in America and mixing with the A-listers of the day. We discuss the Me Too movement and life with a rock and roll star. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast with my fabulous guest, Joan Hodges. Joan Hodges, actress and uh, wife of the late and legendary Chaz Hodges. Yeah. Yay. 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 And as you can probably tell, we are here at home. So I'm home with Joan today <laughs> for this episode, uh, but I did manage to get the, the blackboard in. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm well impressed. Well impressed. Mm. So it's lovely to have you here. Thank you for lovely doing this to be for me. Here. Uh, Joan, we know each other. You are obviously friends of my parents from way back when. Way back. I met your mum and dad when I was 15. Yeah. And Chaz knew your dad very well. And uh, we bumped into him one day and we were introduced and stayed friends forever. Yeah. From then on in. Yeah. So what what sort of year was that? I think it was before my time, wasn't Um, it? Right. That would be um, 61. 1961 yeah. was when I first I met Chaz and started going out with Chaz uh, in November 1961. So, yeah, around about that time. Yeah. So where did you and Chaz meet? We met at a gig. He was in a band called uh, Mike Berry and the Outlaws playing bass and uh, I'd gone to the King's Head, which was in Edmonton Green, um, just to see the band and uh, really liked the look of the quiet bass player back. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we started going out with each other, and I was fifteen. Wow! Yeah. 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 So, where where did you go on your first date? Oh, that's a good. Oh, it's got to be the pub, isn't it? Uh, it probably was the Three Tons Pub, or they used to grow at the Tons in Edmonton, which is where Chaz's mum Daisy used to play the piano. So, yeah, we went there. Yeah. And obviously you weren't drinking because you were only 15. Oh, no, I wasn't. Um, I, bitter lemon, although I was told by Chaz's auntie if I kept drinking that, it'd rock my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I chanced it. Uh, start on the gin. Yeah, and I, I didn't. You. I didn't start drinking until I was about 21. Wow. Uh, even well. when I was in America with the Playboy Club, I, n- I never drank. Um, no. Simply because I, I just didn't like it, I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 Well, you've touched on it there, so we're going to have to talk about that. So Joan was a Playboy bunny back in the 60s. Well, I was one of the original six British Wow. Playboy. There were six of us. Um, they wanted, they were opening up the club in Park Lane, and that was going to be, um, let me see, that was 1966. So they were building that and they wanted six British girls 
to send them over to America um, to train uh, as bunny girls and then come back over and then we were going to train 94 other girls. We were going to audition girls. We wanted 94, so we had 100 uh, to open that London club. So I, at the time, I was working at Harrods in Knightsbridge on the, as a telephonist, and uh, I saw, oh, it was my dad. And I came home one night of, of, from work, and it was a summer's evening in August, and my dad said, uh, there's something, there's been something, there's uh, something on the radio, Radio London. And I said, what, what? And he said, well, it's something, it sounds good. He said, it's um, a club of some sort. It's uh, Bunny Girls. And he was struggling away with this. And what was he talking about? Uh, yeah, it's something. And he said, they want six girls, but they're going to take them over to America. So I said, yeah, so where do I fit in? And he said, well, <laughs> and he said, uh, I think you're working in the evening. And he said, and you'll see more of Chaz, because I was going out with Chaz. Chaz was gigging because he was in a band. So when I got home from work, he'd gone off to a gig. So we'd usually only see each other the weekend or whatever. So I went, oh, right. So what's a bunny girl? And my dad actually said, well, it's American, and it's probably an ice cream parlour. Yeah. Um, where you're just step as rabbits. And I thought, do I really want to sell ice cream? No, not really. But anyway, I sent off, they you know, they wanted a photo, I sent off a photo, uh, and then they, apparently they'd had quite a lot, thousand photos in, and they'd whittled it down and to, I don't know how many, about 50, that they actually wanted to see. And I got in that, and I got this uh, uh, letter saying they would like to see me at Montpelier Square, which was where Vic Lowndes lived, and he was the head of um, the British side of Playboy Club. Now, anyway, I went, after, I, I was told afterwards, went up there, I was the only girl out of God knows how many girls that went up to audition that took their mum <laughs> because she was convinced it was something very dodgy and it might be something that she wanted to look over so she came and so we walked in quite amused Rick Lowndes and he she went and sat next to him I was asked to go and put on the famous bunny costume and um when I came back down she was sitting there he'd gone and got made her a cup of tea or whatever and there was a reporter there from one of the papers but I'm not sure which one and chatting away to him and telling him all my life story. <laughs> anyway, then when I came in, uh, he started to ask me some questions and would I like to go to America? And, yeah, I'd love to go to America. So off I went chatting and going 19 to the dozen. And at the end he went, what did she just say? <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, I got it. He said, would you like? And I said, yes, I would like to go to America. But then, of course. I had to tell Chaz, and because we've been going out with each other for I think about two, three years, because it was 15, 16, 17, yeah, perhaps 18, yeah. So we've been going out, and I thought, oh God, how am I going to do this? Because he was in a band called Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers. They were gigging quite a lot, they were very busy. And uh, so I said to my mum, I said, would you up tell him? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cowards. <laughs> so she said, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll tell him. 
So I, he did, he came around this evening. It was a Tuesday and uh, I went out into my bedroom and I heard him come in and my mum say, well, we have some very exciting news because she's been offered the job. And so in, all right, oh, great, oh, good, that'd be good. So she said, that, yeah. Um, but she's going to America for a couple of months. And he went, oh, right. Oh, okay. And this was, it was for two months. Well, cut very long story short, when we did get over there, the Playboy Club was taking longer than they wanted it to take. So we were told we had to stay another month. So it ended up being seven months wow. in America. And, and every now and again, I'd have to ring up and just say, um, I'm really sorry, but I'm not coming back next week because the club's not ready. It's not worth us coming back to do nothing, you know. We can't come back until the club's finished. And, uh, yeah, it was seven months before I came back. So did you have any idea what the Playboy business was? Oh, yeah. Well, eventually, when I, I mean, when I went up for um, the Vic Lounge with my mum, um, I certainly knew I weren't selling ice cream. And um, and then, of course, we got all the paperwork and the um, there was magazines. There was the Playboy uh, magazine that, that was out. And, uh, and the girls, the ones that were, it was quite interesting because I was uh, number four. Uh, number one was Dolly, and she was, um, she was actually Vic Lowne's girlfriend at the time. Uh, and then there was um, Catherine and Maggie, and the three of them, they were actresses. So I was the fourth one coming in that was an ordinary, ordinary working class girl um, from North London, uh, working at Harrods, and I certainly wasn't a girl of the world, or and I was very naive, whereas these three girls are I really knew they were part of the London scene. Yeah, I certainly wasn't. And then number five was Dodie uh, Allen, and she and I, out of all of the six girls, we stayed friends and still are now. And uh, and she lives in Weymouth, <laughs> and she's lovely. She's a dear, dear friend. And then the last one was Kathy, uh, Kathy Bascom, and um, so that was us six. But that us three, although Kathy Bascom was a beauty queen, um, Dodie and I were working class girls. And um, but as I say, we stayed friends. And so I did know roughly what was going going on. And of course we were going over and originally they wanted to see how we befriended each other and then get us as a couple and send two of us to the New York Playboy Club. And then two of us to the Chicago club and then two off to somewhere New Orleans, which would have been fantastic. And I would have loved that because travel, I, yeah, I think yeah. travel is the best thing for everyone to do. And I really would love that. But um, when we eventually got over to Chicago, the six of us all started working in the Chicago club and it stayed. Whether they thought they wasn't sure when we were going to go back because they wasn't sure when the Playboy Club in London was going to open. Um, so we just literally stayed very, very, we got very patriotic. And our 
because we stayed in the Playboy Mansion in Chicago, but we had our own apartment in there. So we stuck a whacking great Union Jack on the door and uh, and our song was England Swings by Roger Miller. Don't you remember that? <laughs> England Swings like the, uh, yeah, it was a good, good song. So that was our, our sort of our song. Um, so, yeah, we stayed. Of course, I'm now writing the book. Yeah. Uh, and so, but the book is going to be uh, from Bunny to Rabbit Rabbit because it goes into when Chaz and Dave yeah. became Chaz and Dave. Yeah, yeah. But before we get on to the book, which we will mm. do, uh, I just I'm still fascinated with that with the whole mm. bunny thing. So, so you stayed at the the, the Playboy Bunny the, the house mansion yeah. mansion. Yeah. So was Hugh Hefner? Oh yeah. There. Yeah. So you, you met Hugh Hefner? Oh yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah. I've got photos. I can show you those. Um, he used to wander about in his pajamas and his dressing gown. It was his thing. I liked him very much. I thought he was a very nice man. And yeah. Uh, Met his kids, and I think his daughter now runs the Playboy organization. Yeah, um, yeah, he was he was nice. Yeah, yeah. So the the whole outfit, which mm-hmm. obviously, and you've got the ta- tail here today. I, Have you got yeah. the tail? Um, <laughs> the original, the original bunny tail, which I think is gorgeous. Bob tail, Bob tail. Yeah, and the ears, and these these ears, as you can see, they like. What used to do, because that's how they were, like, like that, but we used to snap them yeah. in, so they would fit on your head comfortable, yeah. right? Didn't dig in your head. Um, and the costumes were made to you. They yes. were cu- custom built yeah. for you, yeah. your body. And that's lamb's wool, and we used to backcomb that with a teasel to get it a nice big beautiful oh and it's got a little hook there just hooked on yeah three little hooks yeah. i think at the back for those of you that are actually listening and can't see this uh beautiful little bunny tail here and ears uh, i will put some photos up or you will have to head to youtube and, and watch us on there because yeah this is you just have to see it it's brilliant <laughs> so this was like 1965 did you say yeah yeah 1965 i mean you've got you've got uh, i've seen that fantastic photo of, of you girls lined up under the boac yeah banner we flew out and with boac and so was that a publicity because obviously you're in the whole costume there did you yeah did you was that a day of just photography or you no, didn't, you didn't that was travel the day like we that? were going right and we did we turned up at heathrow uh, we actually uh it's quite very question your dad's connected to James Bond, but we each girl went in a James Bond DB6 car. We had one Ooh. each, um, a James Bond car, because it was all the 60s thing, so very much Sean Connery then. And uh, we each had one to take us, to drive us to Heathrow Airport. So there were six of them in line, and it was quite low slung, which is when you've got your ears, it was not that easy. <laughs> so it was a bit like that. And... Um, were you sitting? You were sitting on the tail. Oh yeah, yeah. We were in our costumes, and we all had different colours because they do. Um, there was there was black, there's blue, there was red, there was gold, uh, and they also did a really beautiful, um, like a dark blue velvet trimmed in silver. But that was for the VIP room, and that was like a restaurant or. If there were very famous people coming in, they would go in there. Yeah, yeah. And only the top notch girls would be wear that blue uniform. Yeah. And um, so that was that. And then 
when we got to Heathrow, which was quite an eye opener in 1965, watching six girls scantily clad going through Heathrow Airport, um, and that BOAC was the promotion for yeah, them really because yeah, yeah. we were flying out with yeah, them. Yeah. But when we got into the, into the aeroplane, we changed into comfy, something comfy, yeah, and then changed back, which was quite quite a, a feat in the little cubby hole at the back behind curtains to change back when we arrived in Chicago, O'Hare. And so was there, were there sort of paparazzi press there yeah, waiting yeah. for you to come up? There was the also, because um, one of our girls, Catherine MacDonald, was the Scottish girl, and so they had a pipe band of Scots, uh, Scots which was wonderful, because uh, my granddad was a Scot, so I'm quite proud of that fact. And so we had them and, and a guard of honour of the American... Bunny girls. Wow. As we came out. And all I remember is when we landed, it was 11 o'clock at night, and Chicago is called the Windy City, and you, I certainly knew why. It was freezing. It was October 1965, and it was windy. And uh, we, we we were frozen. And then we got into the, the lounge part, and they bought us all cups of tea uh, and... Um, I think it was muffins or something like that, whatever it was. But it was a nice welcome. and uh, But it was really funny because one of the girls, um, one of the American girls, I think they found we were quite, they were quite disappointed in not, at the time, Twiggy was really big and, um, and called Stick Thin. And we came through and not one of us was Stick Thin. <laughs> we were quite well built. Uh, and... Um, she said, oh, we thought you were all going to look like Twiggy, and you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you feel safe, though, being a Playboy bunny? I mean, were there... Were there Completely. Yeah, there were, were there chaperones or... There wasn't chaperones, but there were room directors. They were called room directors, and they, they run the room, if you like, and looked after the customers and all the rest of it. Um, and um, there, there wasn't... I mean, if there was any... If anything, you'd get um, somebody who had a bit too much to drink, they would step straight in. Um, so I never, ever, ever felt uh, frightened at all. When you think about it, when I think back to um, if it was my daughter, uh, and um, so what was I? I was 18, 19, I was 18. And um, I was coming out of that club at 4 o'clock in the morning in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but I had... Um, there was this wonderful uh, cab driver, and um, he would, Francis his name was, an old boy, he'd been around, a real old Chicago chap, and uh, he would uh, pick us up, he'd be outside. So we'd know, of course, not always, would I um, be with one of the other girls if they were at night off and I was working, so I'd come out. But dear old Francis would be waiting there. And uh, a minute, I'd, you know, I'd get in the back and we'd start chatting away. So it was almost almost like your dad picking you up, take you home. You yeah, know? yeah. So I never felt, ever felt what I loved Chicago. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful, fabulous yeah. city. Yeah. yeah never been there. Never been there. Ah, it is a wonderful city. But now, I mean, obviously in the in the wake now of the sort of the Me Too movement and, yeah. you know, all of those sort of things, it's it's almost, it's a different Completely, Era, isn't it? A different way of of life. The, the way women were treated back then oh, is completely different. Completely, now. 
the, the message I've got to any young actor is don't be bullied into doing something you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, it can be worked. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a terrible business for that, really. And I, yeah. I, I hope now it's changed. And, and I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, think so many, they come out now, don't they? And they don't put up with it. And so yeah. they do the more assertive more stronger and don't oh, don't put up with it no and, and hopefully to. hopefully the directors now you know understand that actually i think you know, so it's, yeah it's, yeah the world has changed oh yeah, yeah yeah so what what was it that made you want to to get into acting i mean obviously you did the playboy bunny back then when you were sort of a teenager mm. but was there something in you before then oh, that God, wanted yeah. yeah wanted to perform Oh, yeah. I'd wanted to act since I, I was a kid. Um, I, but I never thought, well, I did want to go to drama school. And I asked my dad, who was a London bus driver, and I said, Dad, I really would love to go to um, drama school. Can I go to RADA? And he, he literally laughed at me. He went, it's not for us. He said, you've only got to look at the name, Royal, Royal. He said, it's not for working class people. So he said, forget that one. And so I did forget that one because that's what my dad had said. And so I had done, um, when I was uh, nine to five working, I joined a local amateur group. Um, it was the co-op amateur theatre group. And the very, very first play I did was The Winter's Journey by uh, Clifford Odette, and uh, I played Nancy Stoddard, an American girl. So I'd gone right in deep in, not only the first thing, but I was American as well. Um, and I think I must have been 15 then. I loved it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I so wish I could go to drama school, but truly didn't think I could. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, obviously my dad was a stuntman so yeah. you know he kind of was in that world anyway he'd been through that yeah. himself yeah yeah coming from Edmonton yeah. I mean mm. he got into uh acting as well but in a roundabout way because yeah people from Edmonton from North London just didn't do that sort no. of thing and I had a similar experience when I was I went to uh, my careers officer when I was 16 mm. with my mum sat beside me mm -hmm. sat just behind me mm. and the woman said what do you want to do and I said I want to be an actor and she mm. sort of went mm. <laughs> yeah she said do you belong to any drama groups and I said well not really do you go to the theatre much it was like I, I live on a council estate in North London yeah. no yeah. Um, she said, no, you don't want to be an actor. She said, if you wanted to be an actor, you'd live, die and breathe the theatre. What else can you do? <laughs> so, well, I'm not bad at art. And that was it. I was at art school, which I didn't mind. I loved yeah. art. But it was, yeah, it just, you just got the feeling that it wasn't for you. It no. wasn't, it wasn't meant for you. Exactly. Well, I went to one of them career people when I was a 14, 15 with my mum. And they said, well, what do you what do you like? I said, well, I love people. I love working with people. And I'm thinking in my head, like, to be part of a, a theatre group or whatever, that's what I'm thinking. And they sent me to Woolworths, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And I weren't going to have that. We're not ending here. Just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak, the podcast with my guest, Joan Hodges. And there will be more from Joan after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and teller of tantalising tales from the Storytelling with Puck podcast, Stefano Capicchione. The story I'll, I'll read for you. There once were three little girls. 
This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories, storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. No, no, I do wonder now whether there's anything in that work experience that is anything to do with the theatre because back then it wasn't if you wanted work experience you went into a bank you went to, yeah you know if you were lucky you went into retail yeah you know th there was nothing like that I mean I I should have been a director but nobody told me I could be a director no exactly no there was there was I nothing know. and I would have loved that opportunity but I also believe that I mean, there's many actors out there that haven't even been to drama school, David Jason being one of them. Right. Um, but he went into amateur theatre and, and shone and, and went from strength to strength. But I think you don't realise the opportunities, like you say, if somebody had said, well, you, I would have loved to have been a director, yeah, a director yeah, yeah. to play. Um, but you, you obviously didn't think you could. I didn't think I could be a professional actor. Mm. because I was not, you know, not well-spoken and didn't have the right accent or the right yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everyone should try and do and be what they want to be. Nothing yeah. should stop you. No, and I think I think, I think think our, our children oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, that next generation mm. certainly have, mm. have that, I suppose, because my generation and, you, you know, yours too have kind of been able to say to them, go out there and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas before that, I think, yeah. you know, that next generation yeah. down the line didn't didn't understand. Well, it's like my dad. I think with my dad, he, he was working, well, he was a bus driver, a London bus driver. But he thought, for a girl, um, what you did is you're a kid, you go to school, you leave school, you go and work in a factory or a shop, you get married, you have kids. Well, look, that's your life. And that's how mm. a lot of working class yeah. people thought. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like university. I never thought I could go to university. No. Never. No. Yeah. That was for the the rich people, the, the, the you know, whatever. Uh, not for working class. No. Um, but no, it, no, absolutely. Even yeah. even in my generation, going, I went to a grammar school and, right. you know, everybody kind of was geared towards going to university. But it never, it, even then it never crossed my mind that I could go to uni. No. I, ne I certainly never thought I could do that. Yeah. So... Obviously, you did the yeah. traditional thing. You married Chaz. Yeah. In what, 1961, did you say? 1966. 66. Met him in 61. Oh, yeah. Met him in 61 and uh, went to America in 65 through to 66. And then I came home um, from Chicago in, uh, I think it was April 66. And the Playboy Club in Park Lane, that opened in June, July time. Uh, lots of fanfare and all the rest of it. Um, and then Chaz and I got married in October of 66. Uh, so you were, a, you were a bunny at that point like, yeah. when you got married? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I've seen that little yeah. clip where it's obviously Rebel Rouser marries bunny. That's it. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And so how long did you carry on with that before? I did. I left when I got married. Oh. Yeah, I, I just... Um, yeah. Um, was, that, that. was that expected of you to leave to leave that? No, I think that no, because they had uh, great ideas for me. Um, they asked me 
um, if I wanted to, uh, they were opening a club in Jamaica Ooh. and they wanted me to go over and to become a, what they called a bunny mother, which is uh, like the supervisor. She was in charge of all the bunny girls and looked after them. And I would have quite liked that. I think I would have gone down that route. But I thought I'd just been away to America for seven months. I don't think Chaz would take too kind <laughs> for me to say I'm just shooting off to, to Jamaica. Jamaica for a few months. <laughs> I think I've done my travelling yeah. work as a single person. Yeah. I did plenty yeah. of travelling yeah. with Chaz and Dave. And yeah. So just the, the bunny girls, what was their job? What did you do as a bunny, as a, as a bunny girl in the club? You were a glorified waitress, if you like. Um, funnily enough, when I went to, um, Chas and I got married in St Andrew's Church in, Edmund, uh, in Enfield Town. And when I went to go to see the, the vicar and talk about the wedding we were at, and he wanted to know what my job was. And I said, oh, I'm a playboy bunny girl. He wouldn't put it down. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, uh, and he put, Oh, what does that do? What does that? What does that entail? And I said, "Well, I'm I'm in a Playboy club, and I serve drinks and dinner." And so he said, "I'll just put waitress." <laughs> so yeah, I went down as a waitress, not a Playboy bunny girl, which would look quite good on a yeah. marriage certificate. Yeah. So yeah, no, you wouldn't have that. And so uh, there was all different levels uh, with the Playboy club. On the ground floor, it was called like the Playmate Bar, and that was. Uh, the whole walls were covered in the Playmate, the centrefold of the Playboy magazine. And you could go in there for lunch. So you could get a sandwich or a coffee or whatever. Uh, and then you went up into, there was the show, the dining room and the club itself. There was the VIP room, which I told you about, where you could have beautiful food. And it was like a, a restaurant, if yeah. you like. Um, and then right at the top, it was the showroom. And that's where they'd get acts. Um, and it could be a band. It could be a comedian. Uh, they had a resident band that played. So you could dance. Yeah. So there was yeah. different levels of whatever. Um, what was really exciting at the time, of course, it was 1966 and it was the World Cup. Oh, and so yeah, we course. had quite a lot of... Um, People from, uh, I know there was a lot of people from Brazil, uh, loads of people, it was packed with um, people that come over for the actual match and footballers, of course. And that was an exciting time. Um, and so it was, it was, there was never a dull moment and I enjoyed it because yeah. I love being, being with people as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, and I, I enjoyed my time there. Did you come across any any really famous people at that point? Loads. Um, well, uh, first was Frank Sinatra. Oh, wow. And he came in the club. And I just happened to be fortunate enough to be working lunches. And um, uh, so I was there. And the next minute, they were all, all so excited um, that Frank Sinatra was in. And he was doing, um, making a film. And I think it's called The Naked Runner. And he played like an ex-CIA agent and who happened to be in, in the Playboy Club. And uh, he wanted um, four uh, Playboy, uh, bunny girls, number four. And um, he just said, I'll have the brunette and the, and the redhead and the blonde. And the, and so I was, he picked me just 
I was standing there, happened to be lucky enough to be on lunches. And so I was one of the four. And uh, But what I did remember that really stuck in my mind was because um, I thought he was a really nice chap. He was, uh, there was certainly no old showbiz with him or, you know, none of that. And there was um, there was three of the cleaners that had come up that would, had come up because they knew Frank Sinatra was there. And he went over to talk to him, and that impressed me. And I thought, you know, he needn't have done that, but he went over to ask who they were and his son's autograph or whatever. Uh, but he needn't have done that, yeah. and I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and he was actually he was married to Mia Farrow at the time, so she was over with uh, Trini Lopez, and um, one of our girls. She went out with Trini while he was over there and there was also um they were filming the dirty dozen okay. film my dad was in that was he, was he really yeah oh bloody me well because they were they all came into the club so we had a moonwalk i can't rattle them off now that was but... lee marvin yeah definitely that's it, Charles he... Bronson. That's it. uh there's one that dad always talks about i can't remember was it lee van cleef or my was it i'm not, I'm not sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But they were, and they were all staying at the um, Hilton, which was just a little way along. And uh, so they, they, they came in the club. But he was great. Um, yeah, there were good people that came in. We, When we auditioned for the girls, we auditioned in the Hilton. And while we were there, Lucille Ball, Lucy, oh, right. she was staying there. And so I got to meet her briefly. But she was pleasant. She was nice. Yeah. And literally just because we were there. Yeah. Um, Did you get many women in the club? Was it all men? No, it was a lot of women. Uh, oh, yeah, because they'd bring their wives in because it was a restaurant. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Up, up 50, 50. Yeah. Definitely. So I wonder then, obviously, the... the the idea of, of Playboy and the bunnies has kind of changed over the years. Yeah, yeah. It was very select, and they used to say, you can look but don't touch. And and that was, it was. The yeah. um, girls were not allowed to go out with the customers. I mean, that was the rule. Uh, I'm sure the rule was broken on occasions, um, but that was the rule. And it was very... Elite, so the girls were quite. They were respected. Yes, they were respected, um, and that was good. And it was, uh, yeah, it. They were. I mean, there was some lovely. Really, I tell you, what else came in. She was lovely. It was Julie Felix, singer mm -hmm. called Julie Felix. I don't know. Yeah, she was. She was lovely. She she was growing. She'd come in. There was a. a there was also the wonderful the dear Sharon Tate. Oh gosh, she came in with Roman Polanski. Um, yeah, very very sad. Um, but she came in. She was lovely, beautiful, yeah. lovely yeah. woman. Um, so there was. They were all the always in, but you didn't take much notice. It was no big deal. No. You know, you were just um, serving them their drinks or wherever. I used to like working the VIP room because it was uh, it was more calm and relaxing yeah. and. Uh, yeah, it, but it was good all the way through. Yeah. Enjoyed all of it. So, I mean, when you think about it now, you were there in the heyday of the sixties. Mm. All of that, you yeah, know, 
amazing stuff going on with the Beatles and the Stones and yeah. all of that. So while you were doing that, what was what was Chaz doing? Um, he was in a band called Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers playing bass, and he was um, really full on gigging because that was another thing. Going back to when I got offered the job, he was actually going to um, Denmark or Holland with the band um, for about a month, I think, which I thought worked out pretty good mm. with me if going off to America. I thought that you know that work out little realising it was going to be seven months. Um, yeah. But, uh, and so what he would do um, in in the evening, so if I came out, say, three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock, whenever we finished, um, he'd be outside waiting for me, which was lovely, you know. And uh, he would have been dropped off by one of the members of the band coming back from a gig because I had a little white mini, uh, very 60s, and so we'd, would drive back, you know, I'd drop him home and then go home myself. Yeah. So it, was he good? Because his mum was play piano, didn't she? Like you were saying, she used to play in the in yeah. the pub. In the, in the Tuns pub in Edmonton, Daisy. She was well-known, fabulous, fabulous pianist. She really was. And she actually had, Lionel Bart came in there one night. Wow. And I think he, he had, I think he had a musical out called Twang or something like that. And it must have been nearby because he came in just for a drink and he just loved her playing. She had a real good, she could play vamp piano, which, you know, anybody yeah. playing piano knows what that. And, um, uh, and, and she was great. She was wonderful. But she played there for years. Yeah. And she literally, because she was one parent, because uh, Chazzy's dad had died when he was four, um, she kept the family, but uh, they lived with their uh, Daisy's mum, their nan, yeah, and she would look after them while she went to play, and literally take the app round, and that fed them. Wow, she she yeah, that's how yeah. she fed them. So Chaz Chaz learned his piano playing from his mum then. Yeah, from his his mum and his nan. Right, I think his nan taught him boogie woogie piano, and um, and of course then it really really blossomed when he was touring with Jerry Lee Lewis. Because he would be standing right by Jerry Lee playing bass and just watching yeah. his hands. So he learned a lot from Jerry Lee yeah. just by yeah. watching him. Yeah, I was saying to you earlier that I didn't realise how much Chaz had done yeah. before Chaz and Dave. Yeah. So how did he end up playing with Jerry Lee? Well, he was in the band called um, The Outlaws, uh, Mike Berry and The Outlaws, and they were um, sort of the house band, if you like, of the the legendary Joe Meek, um, who wrote Telstar, and they were his house band. He that, that they would do his songs. He would like uh, hum something that he could think of because he couldn't play anything, and they would pick it up and do it. Richie Blackmore, um, he was part of the Outlaws, and um, so and and he had a hit with Mike Berry in the Outlaws called uh, uh, the tribute to Buddy Holly. Uh, Joe Meek wrote that, and then um, so he was there, and then I think Jerry Lee was coming over, and they needed a band, and I think it was um, Sean Osborne's dad. Um, he was a real big promoter. Yeah, and I, I think, remember his name. Yeah, his name's gone right out of my head. It came back in a minute. Arden. 
Don't, I said, Don Arden. Don Arden. And hit they needed, and so they said, you know, do you want to? Oh, did he? Crikey! I mean, Chaz absolutely loved Jerry Lee Lewis and loved his playing his music. So they went on the road with Jerry Lee. Uh, I think they went over to America. Uh, when they were over there, the Beatles were playing in Hamburg. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Chaz knew them really well, especially Paul and and John. And and then they just was finishing that tour, and Gene Vincent was coming over. So Don, Don said to him, "Jerry Lee's going back home. Do you want to back Gene Vincent?" Yeah. So he went on the road with Gene Vincent, yeah. and that was great. He loved, you know, he loved that. Yeah. Good time. So was mm. he was he away doing that while you were married? Is that yeah you know, sort of happened around about that time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all. Um, I remember um, there was a real, it, it made the headlines, and this was before we got married, and they did, Jerry Lee Lewis did this thing called Rock Across the Channel, and uh, it was a boat that left from South End, well, actually, I think it left from Liverpool, and it came down to South End, stopped at South End, and was going over to France, and uh, it was called Rock Across the Channel, and I, I got a feeling Jean Vincent was up, but Jerry Lee was definitely, definitely, I think Jean was as well. And it was it was packed full of rockers and the best music you could possibly think of. And we went over and, and I went with his mum because I, I took Daisy down because I, I had my little car then. So we went down and we, we went across the channel and uh, it was pure rock and roll. It was an absolute, if you love rock and roll, it was amazing. And then when we got over to Calais, uh, they all got off, and I think they went to some club there, and they were playing there. When they were coming back, I know it all kicked off. I think a lot of the lads had had too much to drink. Uh, they were going in to get a Coca-Cola, and they were being charged about a pound a bottle or something. It was something that kicked it all off. And there was a bit of a riot going on. And um, to top that off... Just as they were coming back on the boat, we were getting onto the boat, and Chaz realised that his amp was still down by the dock side. And so he said, hang on, hang on, hang on. He said, my my amp's still down there. And so they said, no, no, we're casting off. You've got to get... And he was on the gangplank walking up. And he just stood there and he said, I'm not moving until someone gets my amp. <sighs> you know, so he did. He stayed there. And so somebody ran and got his amp and brought it back on. Because when we got back, I didn't realise, but it had made the newspapers riot in France and this. And, of course, there was no such thing as mobile phones at the time. <laughs> uh, and my mum was having 40 fits, opening a... Well, it was on the front page, uh, the picture of Rock Across the Channel, riots in France, knowing her door was in the middle of it all. And uh, so it wasn't until I actually got home and she said, oh, never again, never again. And I said, well, it was all right. I was all right because I was away from it, yeah. you know, because if you saw trouble, you didn't go towards it. You yeah. went away yeah. from it, you know. And, uh, yeah, that was rock and roll, yeah. as they say. <laughs> so how did, the, the, the start of married life then, how did that look for the two of you? you did you have your own place? How did it happen? Uh, yeah, we got a flat. Uh, we got flat in Cockfosters, and things were pretty good then because by this time he was now in Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers, and they were a top band. 
um, they'd had uh, Got to Get You Into My Life, which oh, yeah. was a hit record. Um, and Cliff Bennett, uh, fabulous voice, a real, real good voice. And fabulous band, they really were. And Chaz loved it, loved being in it. And so we did. We started out, um, say, got married in 66. Uh, our first child came along, Juliet, and she was born in 67. Uh, and it was it was wonderful. We were, you know, just bowling along merrily until we actually, the band split up. And uh, suddenly from getting really good money, we weren't getting anything and then we were struggling and it looked like we were going to be evicted from mm. our, our flat. So that sort of took a downward turn. We just had Juliet then. And so we um, we had the bailiffs round. And I'll never forget, they because we lived, um, we had this flat above a shop. And when we got there, and I had Juliet, she was two, and uh, he said it was a real nasty bit of work, this bailiff. And he said... Um, uh, right, you're gonna. He said, "I'll give you. Um, let me just say, I'll give you one hour to get whatever you really want out. Because other than that, they're going to sh- yeah, look it up and add the lot, right? Yeah. Well, Chaz had a piano in there, and uh, he's all his amp and his guitars and the rest of it. And uh, I remember there was a, a younger chap there, and he really, he was lovely. He was, I think, he he felt sorry for what was going on, because. I didn't know then what you know now, but apparently they cannot confiscate what you use to earn a living. They can't ah, do that. We didn't know that. Right. And so, so and old Chaz desperately, he wanted his guitars and he wanted his piano. And so Chaz said, I've got to have that piano. I've got to have my piano. And I said, oh, come on then. So me and him were trying to push this out. And this young lad stepped forward. To help, you know, he said, I'll, I'll do that, I'll do that, he said. And the, this nasty bit of work said, no, let her do it. Yeah. yeah, so the young kid couldn't help me. So I did, for the love of my darling husband, helped him push this piano out. And then his amp, took his amp out, and these guitars. And um, at the end of it, we'd got it out onto the, like, the platformy bit of above where our flat is, where the stairs were. And he said, um, hmm. It looks like rain. I'll give you a week. You can put it back. Yeah. So we did. We pushed it back because we didn't want it all out in the rain for no. a week. No. So we pushed it back and he'd given us a week to get rid of it. So life was tough yeah. then. Yeah. And we moved in with my mum and dad so we, we, because there was nowhere else to go until we got offered um, a flat in Edmonton. And uh, and it was while we were there that um, our darling Kate come along, our second daughter. Um, and so, and she was born in North Mid, like Chaz so was in North me. Mid, I suppose, yeah. and you, yeah. <laughs> All the good people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that was there. And we were there for, and then, by that time, Chaz had gone into a band called Head, Hands and Feet. Uh, and that was another good band. And so he was in that. And he actually went over to America touring with them. And we were there for a couple of years and then moved out and actually got our own place. And we got like a little bungalow uh, in uh, Broxbourne. Right. And that's where 
our son came along, Nick, and that's our three wonderful kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when did Dave come along? Ah, oh, bless him. <laughs> Well, that concludes part one of my two-part conversation with the lovely Joan Hodges. Listen out for part two, when I find out what happened when Dave came along, and more about Joan's acting career and life as Mrs. Chaz and Dave. And remember, check out some tantalising tales and magical moments from Storytelling with Puck. Find them where you find your favourite podcasts, or head over to puckcreations.com forward slash storytellingwithpuckpodcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.